VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ross has all the spring deals you want, so you can say yes to more looks for you and your budget. Two tops for less? Yes. Dad shorts for the weekend? Yes. Mini skirts for less than online? That's a yes for you and your bank account. Find your certified yes for me moment and save 20 to 60% off department store prices every day at Ross. Hurry in for spring deals today. Items and styles vary by store. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, why has one of America's most outgoing fan-friendly celebrities retreated into seclusion? Dan Taberski looks for answers in his groundbreaking podcast. We'll revisit our classic review of Missing Richard Simmons. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of These Are Their Stories, my husband and the love of my life, the aerobics-loving Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. All right, so Kevin, what is coming up on this coming Monday's brand new podcast? Uh, We're going to be talking about the uh, true crime series from Max. It's called Last Call. All right. It's about when a serial killer was, I forget the subtitle of it, but it's uh, when a serial killer stalked gay New York. Yes, yes, it's a very fascinating concept, a very fascinating topic based on the book by Elon Green. Yes. So what are we going to hear in today's Crime Writers on Classic Rewind? Uh, We're going to be talking about our February 24th, 2017 review of Missing Richard Simmons. Okay, this is a very important podcast. It is, but I just want to remind you that we actually went back six times hmm. to talk about missing Richard Simmons as we, we this was one of those ones where we, we thought it was it. so good yeah. we like kept going with it after yes. just a couple of episodes right uh so yeah so this is one and we think this was you know the great triumphant uh debut of Dan Taberski yes. and um you know he's just uh, really gone on to do other exceptional things that's why it's a groundbreaking podcast because Dan Taberski to me introduced a brand new way of writing for podcasting mm-hmm. yeah. a brand new way of delivering storytelling for podcasting after missing Richard Simmons he has created some of the best podcasts I've ever heard, including uh, Y2K and The Line, which is one of my all-time favorite podcasts. Uh, about running from cops. Running from cops is great, yep. but The Line is one of my all-time favorite podcasts, all right, period. So I wonder if uh, back then we thought all of these great things about this uh, new auteur. Well, we'll find out. All right. Let's take a listen. All right. Well, thank you, Kevin. That was very smooth, very professionally delivered, that ad break. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate the hard work that you do in reading those ads. Appreciate it. Can we talk about Richard Simmons? Please. This, can is, we? A great, this is a great podcast, I think. <laughs> I feel like I kind of made you guys listen to because I loved it, but then um, allow millions of people also listening to it. So I don't feel so alone. Well, let me start with the first thing is that I think the name and the concept is intriguing All right. in both a kitschy way right. and also a real life sort of. 
What's up with that way? Exactly. Well, let me just go back a little bit and just read the intro I was going to read, okay? No, why do that? Missing I already, Richard Simmons. We're already Simmons. in it. We're already in it. It's right perfect. now, it is the top-rated podcast on iTunes. It is filmmaker Dan Taberski's journey as he tries to find out what happened to the fitness mogul and celebrity guru fun guy Richard Simmons, who for three years has been totally off the radar. His representatives say he's holed up in his Hollywood mansion and he's just fine, but many people who know him say they are worried something darker is behind his disappearance. So, Toby, you emailed me one question that you had, and you heard me field it to Dan about, does someone who has chosen to disappear have a, a right just to be gone and not have a podcast made about them? How do you feel about that right now as we sit here about to discuss this podcast? I think about the same. For a guy who has been so you know open to the public for years and years and years, for him just to disappear. He, he probably has his reasons for it. And, you know, who knows what it is? It could be depression. It could be whatever. And I, and I really like the podcast. So, you know, this is a little nitpicky, I guess. But I didn't find his explanation of why he feels that it's okay to kind of pursue him. You know, the idea that there's a lot of people who who've come to depend on him and, and deserve to know what happened and that he owes them, you know, sort of an explanation for, for what he did or, or why he, why he left that a, I'm, I'm not sure he really does for a guy who's shown a lot of compassion for a lot of people who are in sort of difficult straits. Like it seems like they could reciprocate by showing some sort of compassion for him when he clearly wants to remove himself and then so, but even if you take the leap, you say, okay, like maybe he does owe those people. I I don't see how making a podcast about searching for him is really in his best interest. I have a counter to your, um, your quandary there. And here's my okay. counter argument. Okay. The Richard Simmons story is out there in the media. He's been on the cover of the National Enquirer a bunch of times. It's mm-hmm. been on the Today Show. It's been on Entertainment Tonight. And it is always really, really salacious the way that I've, I've always seen it in the media his disappearance it's always like this very salacious is it black magic is it <laughs> seriously that's one of the theories is what? that is that Teresa has oh. put black magic on okay. him yeah, that's, yeah. Like that's what the former masseuse thinks yeah yeah and that you or that he is now living as a woman or doesn't want anyone to know or that he's gained 200 pounds you see all of these headlines I almost feel like this podcast is like a counter narrative to some of that like salacious media stuff that somebody who you know, was going to do a project about him anyway, but that also have all these connections with people who are close to him and who care about him and who are protective of him, saw an opportunity to make something that is the same story, whereas Richard Simmons, but do it in a more compassionate, careful, thoughtful, and kind of joyful. I, I hate to say that. I feel like this podcast is very joyful, even though it's very sad at times way. I don't know. That's my counter. Laura, what do you think about, about this sort of ethical quandary around the podcast that, that Toby has been grappling with? No, I, I understand where Toby's coming from, but I guess where I, as I'm listening to this, I feel like we're sending Richard Simmons a secret message. We will help you get out, get away from Teresa. Like, I feel like, I mean, I guess I just, I feel like this poor guy, like, I feel so sad for him. And I'm like, see, I view it more as like, this is like the only way we can get a message to Richard Simmons. Right. So <laughs> I'm, not as, I'm not as distraught as Toby. I'm like, OK, come on, Richard. We're smoking you out. Come out. Come on. I don't have a problem with Dan pursuing this topic 
as a podcast. I mean, he's close to it. It isn't like he just plucked it out of a, a hat. He'd been, you know, working talking, on it. Yeah, he'd been talking about a documentary with Richard. And I, I don't know if it's ethics or, or not, but, you know, the crime writer in me, the nonfiction writer in me says that a lot of this is fair game. If you're a celebrity, you have thrust yourself into the public vortex. Yes. That is the term. Yes. As opposed to being a private citizen. Which is why so, the libel laws don't apply the way that they do with private right, citizens. Right, right. So I'm not saying, well, Richard Simmons has it coming. Right. Uh, but I do think he's an interesting subject for a lot of reasons. Now, Toby, I, I almost thought what Dan said near the end was a better answer to your question. When he said that he checked in with Richard's management to say, like, if there's a reason I shouldn't be doing this, tell me. And they said, no, he's fine. (laughs) Did that allay your concerns at all? Uh, I I guess my feeling is he certainly comes across as as genuinely caring about these people who are disturbed that that he's gone. And he must know that that he's causing some trouble for them. So whatever reason he has for going into seclusion in his mind outweighs that. I have two words. Go ahead. Casey Kasem. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Well, why don't we talk about our theories about that in a a few minutes? But Kevin, you were going to jump in. Oh, I I was just going to say the way I interpret the message from Richard Simmons management about like, you know, give give me a reason, you know, wave me off if I shouldn't do this. And by them saying no, I think it, it you weigh it as that person may be just as frustrated with Richard as as, as Dan is. I think by saying no, it wouldn't be negative. It could also be interpreted as, yeah, we also believe a little push could help. Right. I don't know. Well, we, don't, we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. So, so for now, can we all agree to put the um, issue of whether or not it's okay to do this podcast aside and just talk about the podcast? Yeah. Are we all in agreement, Toby? Can you, can you agree to do that? No, I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a great podcast, well, let, but that, that's let, my issue with it. Okay. Well, let's talk about it. Now that we've to the issue aside, let's talk about the production. Um, Kevin, I made you listen to this with me. Even though I listened to the first episode, I made you listen to it again. Yep. Because I think the production on this podcast is almost perfect. What do you think? It's got a lot of sound. <laughs> I think for the amateur when they hear that, they're like, yeah, really? It's all sound. It's uh, a I meant, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of great tape, and he draws from a lot of stuff. He's a really good storyteller. The writing and, is so good. And I think he brings the better part of his documentarian skills to a podcast where other documentarians who have tried <laughs> podcasts have not. He knows what he doesn't need to show or what he doesn't need to tell. Yeah, but he, he sounds like a really good storyteller and he's got he's got good stuff and I and, and I think I think if you don't have that, it's very hard to get a good podcast. And I think he's already he's already working with a rich body of material. What do you think of the production and of just the way this podcast sounds and feels and is written, Laura? I'd love I'd love to hear your take on that because the podcast makes me feel a certain way when I listen to it. And I don't know if you feel the same way that I do, but do you have that same reaction? Yeah, I have to tell you that this is the first podcast and I don't know how long that like like you, I listened to it twice, the first episode. I made my husband listen to it. <laughs> I felt like the pacing was just such that I just... I loved it. And I love all the clips that we have. Like, I think the one that just, I, I, it totally cracked me up was when he was like, you know, how do you like that tight little ass now, David Letterman? <laughs> you know, it just, I love the old clips because he is just such a character. He's so eccentric and just sort of out of the box. And, but that is what makes this so fascinating. You know, he's just not like anybody else out there. And, and this mystery about how he could just, you know, up and without any explanation, 
shut himself off is is really captivating to me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, between that mystery combined with the way that we have all those sound clips and we have access to all these people who are equally fascinating characters surrounding him. I mean, I love the old lady. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. They used to drive to class. Yeah. I, it's just Jerry. I'm like, I want to go to Slimmons. <laughs> Who doesn't? You know, I just, I, I love everything about it. I want to yeah. be the manager at Slimmons. Sounds like a pretty, pretty cool gig. Well, we so got one class a week. We got one Richard's class. out again. <laughs> now, now, Toby, I want to ask you just about the writing because I feel like when Serial is going on, we talk more about the writing of that show than we talk about any other show. I think the writing in podcasts can either be sloppy or it can be clean. And we've talked about it a little bit here and there. I feel like as far as first person narratives go, the writing in this is so strong. And I'll give you the example that comes to mind for me, which is that he talks in episode two about, you know, the guy who was also a Slimmons member who and he says, um, oh, he was a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race and he got kicked (laughs) off. And I don't remember why, but I just remember that it made me like him more. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. He like gave enough to tell you everything you needed to know. He didn't spend 20 minutes describing exactly. the what he posters like, on the wall is, at Slimmons. He gives you exactly. Tell yeah. me, what do you think of the writing? I mean, I, I would love to know what you think because I, I really do think as far as writing is concerned, you're probably, no offense to the rest of us, uh, you're probably the biggest expert in that area uh, on this panel. Yeah, it's funny because I don't think I really focused on that a whole lot other than it's an economy of words, not leaving you in any doubt about what he's talking about, I guess. So, yeah, things move along very quickly. You know, at at times it seemed like a good, slightly edgy magazine writer, maybe, Mm -hmm. where they give these, like, little, like, two-sentence sketches of different people who they're going to talk to. Uh, Like the twins? (laughs) Yeah, like this question, who I kind of knew who they were anyway. But the, the way the whole thing was put together, I thought was... It made sense at, while at the same time being kind of clever. It, it's extremely well done, I think. It's hard, to, it's hard to explain to people who aren't writers or who aren't interested in being writers how hard it is to do real character development in like two sentences. Yeah. So when I was in school and then when I was teaching a little bit, the thing that I always used to say is there's a difference between saying someone has a tattoo and someone has a neck tattoo, right? You say someone has a tattoo that tells you almost nothing about them. You say someone has a neck tattoo, it tells you like a hell of a lot about them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Dan's, like you described it, economy of words he will say 20 seconds of exposition and then introduce you to a character whose voice you then hear. And I think of someone like Jerry, who's, you know, used to get rides to Slimmons with Richard, you know, the old dowager. I kind of think of her as like the old lady on Downton Abbey when I sort of imagine her in my head. And I, I think about, you know, the, the sisters. And I think there's a quick little interview with the couple, the two men who, who ended up in the front row of the Slimmons yeah, right. class. <laughs> we don't need to know who they are, where they live, what they do, what they look like. We learned everything we needed to know about them just by hearing them describe their journey from row three to row one. I don't know. I, I just find, to me, that is, yes, the story is compelling. I think the whole, he does a great job sort of making you care about Richard Simmons. But I don't know. To me, that's that does a lot of the heavy lifting in setting this podcast apart. Now, Kevin, 
Let's talk about Richard Simmons, the character, yeah. okay? Because obviously that is the central figure here, and we're listening to this ostensibly because we're, you know, Dan makes the case for why you should care about Richard as a cultural figure. But you know a little bit about Richard Simmons as a cultural figure because you've seen it firsthand. I've, I've had uh, professional interactions with Richard Simmons. All right, go ahead, tell us. Uh, when I was in radio, the radio station put on a big promotion. It was called the Women's Expo, and it was basically like a trade show kind of thing, but there was going to be, uh, we, we wanted to have like live entertainment Entertainment and, and a big draw, and there would be music and cooking demonstrations and things like this. Things Always, for the ladies. Things for the ladies. <laughs> and we needed, I think it was either the first or second one, we needed a big draw. And so through his management team, we contracted Richard Simmons to be the guy who would appear. So I met Richard Simmons twice. And the first time, well, both of these instances are surreal. The first time was I, I was usually on in the afternoon in the radio, but I was filling in in the morning. And I was alone in the newsroom, and there's a hallway that goes past the newsroom into the studio. And it's 7.30, and down the hallway comes Richard Simmons in the the red <laughs> tank toppy thing with the with the striped shorts. Short shorts? The short shorts. I don't even remember what – I think it was late – Winter, so I, he was, and he was singing something like hello, and he was on. Yeah, and it was kind of weird because there was he didn't have an entourage around. Right. If he did, the person wasn't there. I don't even know how he got in the radio station. <laughs> you met hour. other celebrities in that same context, and it was always like a thing, right? Yeah, I mean it was different. I mean there was presidential candidates, there were celebrities. Sometime I'll tell you about the time we nearly killed Bob Eubanks. <laughs> um, but he came in. He he came in because he did like a pre Alone. something interview. Yeah, and he was on. And, yeah. Yes, he was. He was immediately on, and then he did the interview on the radios, and then disappeared. And then the day of the event, I do remember among the duties that we had, ended up all of a sudden becoming being almost like secret service for Richard Simmons to get him from the holding area to the stage. Now the crowd was very enthusiastic. It was predominantly women, and there were so many of them that were obese, right? Yeah, and who were there because Richard. In some way, you know, spoke to them, spoke to them. And I remember, you know, and it was screaming. It was like One Direction, the Beatles kind of screaming when he came the wiggles. on. The Wiggles. <laughs> it, it was really like that. And I remember at the end he had to leave. Right. And there's sort of people. It, there's no seats. But, you know, you're on a riser. Everybody sort of in the front was coming up and was like trying to touch him. And he would get down and look into like one. I just remember looking into one person's eyes and he was holding both of her hands and talking like this. To her. I don't know what he was saying, but there was that connection. I don't now. I'm wondering if maybe it is somebody that he actually had a phone relationship with or not. But I tell you, he was like Elvis and Jesus hmm. at the same time. Honest to God. And I didn't know if we were going to get him out. It was like kind of like that th we could be crushed by this crowd. Huh. The women were crying. Yeah. The people who were watching were, were crying. Did you cry? No, I didn't cry. They were crying. Oh. But they, they were crying. You can admit that. <laughs> <laughs> but you could tell it was like a super connection that you just, you had to see to believe. Right. It was like Oprah. Yeah, probably like that. There are very few people like who inspire that. Yeah. The but Pope, I'm like. Oprah. Yeah. I'm like he. Uh, Paul McCartney. I, Richard like very much like spoke to these people on a level where they felt like somebody loved them and that they could love themselves. Right. I think I, I, I don't want to put words in people's mouths. Right. But we hear this refrain and I could see that. There. Right. Toby, what do you think of this juxtaposition between, you know, the Richard Simmons that's completely out there? You know, we heard Dan talk about 
we had that conversation about, you know, his sexuality versus how, you know, sexual he was. And we talked about that little bit of like a rub there between, um, you know, Dan said that he would show up to class all the time in drag, that like that was always something that he was out there with, even though he never discussed it. But did that strike you, too, that he was like a little bit of like out of step with the culture, but in a way that is, I don't know, it's just like really unusual. This is what I would do if I was writing a fictionalized version of this. And I was trying to base it on Richard Simmons. I think the way I would look at it is being a fat gay guy in the 70s was probably a pretty tough thing. And that in the course of losing a lot of weight and coming to accept who you were and not being ashamed of the way your sort of flamboyant personality was would come to seem like kind of this epiphany that it's not necessary to conform to these different societal expectations of you. That feeling must have, would be so sort of powerful and joyful that the idea is to go to the people who society really looks down on and try and help them feel better about themselves in the same way that you felt better about yourself. Mm -hmm. So if I, again, if I was writing the book, that that's kind of the beginning and then like reaching out and like how many people can i reach with this and it just being being a very powerful um deliverer of this message that you're you're fine mm-hmm. you know and if you were to do you, a fictional version what would the character's name be <laughs> what would you name what him? would his name be yeah robert gibbons <laughs> it's mr simmons <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> rick simons rick simons um, <laughs> But then I think the flip side of that, and this maybe is why I'm a little bit reticent about this whole sort of endeavor that they're, that they're doing, is that I think these very transitory connections with people without having, you know, a stronger, long-lasting connection with seemingly anybody, except for maybe like that that old woman, whatever, Jerry, Jerry. yep, and Teresa. 10 or 15 years ago, there was a thing where they were listing like, the highest percentage of suicides by, you know, what your job was. And I think number two were uh, toll operators on highways. Get the fuck and, out of here. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, really? Yeah, that, that's true. And the idea was that the fleeting connection that you have with people becomes depressing. Nobody you know, says you, Merry you, Christmas you, to you when you go by. You feel, you feel isolated. Uh-huh. Like, even when people are smiling and having, hey, thank you, have a nice day, or whatever, that's the extent of it. And so when I was listening to this whole podcast about, you know, he comes out, like, all the time, and he talks to these people and, you know, takes pictures and stuff, but it's that kind of sort of fleeting interaction with people that then doesn't get followed up on, and he ends up having these very you know, sort of emotionally up and down relationships with like a woman who he met once in Nebraska, who he talks to on the phone, or these people who show up for his exercise class, who he doesn't necessarily, I mean, he's friends with some of them. And I think there's probably a connection with the others. But you know, he's, you know, being sexual with them and crying in front of them and being ecstatically happy. And he's basically going through all these human emotions in the course of an exercise class. If Again, if I was writing the book, it seemed like this would all kind of lead to being quite depressed. Right. All right. So, Laura, I have a question for you. Yes. I'm getting a vibe from you right now. I'm getting a vibe from you that you want to talk about... What's actually going on with Richard Simmons? Like, what do you think is she going know. on, Laura you know? Bricker? Do you know? do you Nancy know? Drew, the Nancy Drew of our panel. What do you think <laughs> is going on? 
Well, it's interesting. So, you know, it's funny. I was listening to this. My son was listening to this with me this week. He's like, Mom, he just wants to be left alone. He's been famous too long. And it could be something that simple. But this whole thing is so freaking bizarre because to be want to be left alone is one thing. To cut off ties and have no communication yeah, that's with different. anybody, yep. that's different. And this, I'm sorry, I don't want to jump on the conspiracy theory bandwagon, but I'm going to do it. Teresa and she's like, he is not here right now. Mm. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe I know she's very protective. She's been with him 30 years. He said that they're basically like a married couple. But something is, I, I, I know something is up. That's the point of this. But it's just like, I mean, is it something that like when he had his knee surgeries, he gained weight back and he's too ashamed to go out and Could let people that, see yeah. that he gained weight back? Yeah. Um, well, Kevin's dad you, had those knee surgeries and they were rough surgeries. His dad was off of his feet for months. It was he rough. only had one, yeah. yeah. You know, you can say, if you believe that Richard Simmons is tied to his bed like in misery and that the house staff is keeping him hostage, <laughs> that, that's one extreme. But it, at the very least, they are enabling him to be agoraphobic or whatnot because somebody is bringing him food mm-hmm. and yeah. bring and taking out the trash. Well, that's Teresa. That, that's Teresa. <laughs> well, yes. You know, so... She uh, recycles, Kevin. Yeah, she, recycle yeah, she takes out the recycling. They do. They do. Yeah. So I... I, I we can't indemnify I will call, Teresa. I will call bullshit on one thing. Yeah. I don't see any problem with him buying Teresa a Mercedes. I don't. If you are like a billionaire, oh, yeah, yeah. you buy anybody whatever no, fine fucking kind nice. of car you want. That's that was just no, nice. she, she was loyal and took care of him. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I would buy you a Mercedes if we could afford that. Just saying. And you're like the maid. I, I, hope, I hope that I perform duties other than those that Teresa's performing. Uh, so, Toby, I, without getting into too much speculation that makes you uncomfortable, um, do you think that Teresa is keeping Richard Simmons hostage or that there's something less nefarious going on here? My kind of fear about the whole thing is that he's just very depressed, like not depressed, like oh, I'm having a bad day, but like suffering from clinical depression. Mm-hmm. And part of that is not wanting to deal with people, mm-hmm. you know, not wanting to face human interaction. And I think when you're him, that must be a very daunting prospect if that's what the issue is. And then I would see a person like Teresa. 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 <laughs> looking at her role as protecting him. Right. You know? Or she's just or she's just doing what he told her to do. Maybe he's telling her mm-hmm. every day, don't let anyone in. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. But right. my thing is three years. Yeah. Okay. Six months, okay, a year, three years. Is he like mummified in that house or something? Mm. You mentioned two words earlier, Casey Kasem. Casey um, Kasem. I mean, wasn't that the whole thing with him when he went, you know, nobody had seen him and he ba- he was basically pretty incapacitated. They were fighting over his estate, if I recall correctly, yeah. when he, they were kind of keeping him out of the public eye and kind of, they were kind of holding him hostage, weren't they? It was some sort of weird kind of elder, elder abuse. abuse. It was something yeah. weird. It was something yeah. weird, but... um. The three it's years is what gets man. me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. ponderous. <laughs> That's a good reference, Kevin. Our listeners should look it up and they'll know what you're talking about. There was just a case. Did you guys see that case in Rhode Island? Um, the two sisters that lived together and one of the sisters died like a year before and she was just sitting in the house. Oh, God. I feel like that's going to be know. me and Kevin. We're you down know. here in this closet. Total Bates I'll write Motel. About you, or I'll make you sound good. <laughs> you know what our next hobby is? Taxidermy. I, I, can I, I just want to throw in one last detail and just ask you a quick question mm-hmm. about it. Kevin, as far as podcasts go, has there been a better 
podcast at delivering a good end of episode cliffhanger oh. that we have heard, like since Serial season one? No, I'm trying to think. The, the, these are really good. The, it got you with the oh no, don't stop there, right? And wanting to get on to next week. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to the next uh, four episodes. Well, let's just go around the horn then, Toby. Even though you have ethical potentially issues with this show, would you recommend that our listeners, if they haven't checked it out yet, <laughs> give a listen to Missing Richard Simmons? What do you think? I'm not sure if it's ethical as far as like journalistic ethics. I, I just don't think it's like the right thing to do on a personal basis. But <laughs> that putting sad. that aside, it's, it's <laughs> like very an iPhone. <laughs> it's super interesting. Yeah. Uh, and it is really well done. And I think if any individual listener out there doesn't listen to it, it's not going to go away. So I would listen to it without uh, too much without guilt. guilt. Um, yeah. Toby, by the way, are you single? <laughs> you keep asking that and he might be what about you Laura should our listeners listen to Missing Richard Simmons do you give it a thumbs up thumbs down thumbs sideways we want to know what you think two thumbs up I, I just I seriously like I'm obsessed with this everyone I see this week I'm like you've got to listen to this and I have a friend she came over yesterday she got new sunglasses and she said what do I look like I said you look like Richard Simmons because all I can think of is Richard Simmons that's right so take a listen it's only going to be six episodes I will tell our listeners Listeners, not because it's low commitment, but because it is just, excuse my language, fucking great. Absolutely. Listen to, subscribe to, tweet about Missing Richard Simmons. I love it. And I feel joy and sadness when I listen to, but mostly joy. Listen to it as much as you possibly can. It is great. What do you think, Kevin? Uh, hell to the yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. I am telling people that they should get on the train here. And listen to Missing Richard Simmons. I think it's great. And I think it's interesting because a lot of these podcasts were always about trying to answer the question of who. Mm-hmm. We're really trying to get to the question of why. Why? Why would what? he? Not what, but why would he just kind of disappear? This is a guy who was very successful and into a lot of things. He was a multitasker. Kind of like Kapari's coconut oil is the <laughs> ultimate multitasker. <laughs> As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ross has all the spring deals you want, so you can say yes to more looks for you and your budget. Tube tops for less? Yes. Dad shorts for the weekend? Yes. Mini skirts for less than online? That's a yes for you and your bank account. Find your certified yes for me moment and save 20 to 60% off department store prices every day at Ross. Hurry in for spring deals today. Items and styles vary by store. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. What do you think, Kevin? How was that? No, it was good. Yeah. It was good. I, I just, uh, I'll just never forget my own experience with Richard Simmons. Yeah, I know. 
All right. Well, this show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi Studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement where we always sweat to the oldies. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Ross has all the spring deals you want, so you can say yes to more looks for you and your budget. Tube tops for less? Yes. Dad shorts for the weekend? Yes. Mini skirts for less than online? That's a yes for you and your bank account. Find your certified yes for me moment and save 20 to 60% off department store prices every day at Ross. Hurry in for spring deals today. Items and styles vary by store.